This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Well, good morning. Amen. It is so exciting to be back with you today, especially for this great occasion. Pastor Brian, I remember 16 years ago, you coming to this area. Ann and I were pastoring in St. Charles at the time. I remember welcoming you. I think I remember attending your first fundraising banquet. And uh, it, it has just been a privilege and a joy for us to be on this journey with Church on the Rock. And today is a monumental day. I, I truly mean that. For those of you who who may not understand governance of the Assemblies of God. The thing that has made the Assemblies of God great, and today there are over 300 Assembly of God churches here in the Illinois district. As a matter of fact, as you gather here today, you are but a small part of the body. Today there are approximately 120,000 believers gathered together here in Illinois alone. That's a city about the size of Springfield, Illinois, or I think Rockford. So if you're trying to put that in perspective, that's Assembly of God adherence right here in the state of Illinois. But there are 13, over 13,000 churches throughout the United States. Over 6 million Assembly of God adherents in the United States. But listen to these numbers. There are 68 million Assembly of God believers around the world. Today, missionaries are in more countries than there are countries in the United Nations. And every 45 seconds, there is a brand new church that is being planted. And uh, that is truly exciting about what is happening and what God is doing. But here's the point that I want to make. The reason why the Assemblies of God have experience this kind of growth and yes it's all that God is doing but as a governance we believe in self-governing churches because that church will have the vision and the heart for the community that they're in and so today marks a fulfillment of that for this church today we turn over the governance of this church from the Illinois district to this congregation and uh, that is what makes our meeting this afternoon so important and we look forward to doing that after lunch but this morning God has laid a, a message on my heart I want to bring to you a young couple in Southern California was out for a hike through the canyons and as they walked through the canyons they came up upon a patch of mushrooms they gathered all the mushrooms that they could carry and they brought them back to the house and they called a few of their friends over to have a mushroom party no they didn't smoke them they cooked them they sauteed them they fried them they put them in omelets they created all kinds of mushroom dishes and that evening, these couples gathered together and had a great feast. They were all sitting down in the living room and telling stories, and the owner of the home got up and went into the kitchen, and he found the cat sitting there looking for something to eat. 
So he gave the cat some of the scraps from the mushrooms. He went back into the living room. They continued their family gathering and their chatting. And a little later on, he went back into the kitchen. And he found the cat laid out on the kitchen floor, foaming at the mouth, panting heavily, writhing in what seemed to be like pain. He immediately called the vet and told the vet what had happened. And the vet said to him, I'm afraid that you probably did not pick up mushrooms. You probably picked up poisonous mushrooms. Toadstool, not toadstools, but toadstool, whatever they call them, the poisonous things. And he said, my advice to you is to forget about the cat. But instead, you and your whole party ought to get to the ER as quickly as possible. Because if it is what I think it is, it will affect you as well. And so the whole party gathered together, went down to the ER. They went through a battery of tests. And after being there a couple hours, they found that they had not eaten poisonous mushrooms, but what they had was okay. And so they all went back to the house. And when they gathered back to the house, they expected to find the cat dead on the kitchen floor. Instead, they walked in and found the cat curled up in the corner of the kitchen. And that cat had just given birth to a new litter of kittens. There are times in our life when the birth pains of a dream feel like death pains. Some of you know what I'm talking about. There are times in our life when the birth pain of the God-given dream that God has given us begins to feel like a death pain. Like this will never happen. It will never come together. I will never see it there. There are times in our life when God's miracles seem like they will never happen. I want to preach on miracles today because I believe in miracles. And I believe God is a miracle-working God. And this morning I want to talk about what happens when you're on your way to a miracle. How many people in this room need a miracle today? Raise a hand. You need a miracle. Yeah, look at that. Hands are up all over this room. I guarantee you that if you and I were to have a conversation right now, you would tell me I need this miracle touch from God, but it seems like it will never come. It seems that my birth pain is really a death pain. Well, preacher, I don't know if I believe in miracles. I just haven't seen them lately. Let me tell you why. Because I believe in miracles. I believe what the writer of Hebrews said about Jesus, that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. That means he is still a miracle worker. I believe what Jesus said, listen to this in Mark chapter 16, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. I believe that with all of my heart. Well, if that's true, why don't we see more miracles? Because I believe when we get to the edge of our miracle, we oftentimes give up. We oftentimes lose heart. 
and the birth pain seems so great that rather than go through it, we decide to quit. Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 9. John, chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. And I'm not going to read this whole passage. Initially, we're going to work our way through it, so don't close your Bibles. So whether you have an e-version or a tree version, it makes no difference. Find John chapter 9, and beginning at verse number 1, and if you're looking for a title for your notes, I want to talk about what happens when you're on your way to a miracle. Beginning in verse number one, as he went along, he here being Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. If you're taking notes, I want you to know that, note this. When you're on your way to a miracle, you will note that everybody wants to get into your business. When you're on your way to a miracle, everybody wants to get into your business. Now picture this poor guy. He's a blind man. He's been blind from birth. He's sitting there minding his own business. He's not begging. He's not calling out. He's not drawing attention to himself. Jesus and his disciples are coming out of the temple. They're coming out of the temple. They're on their way. And scripture says here, one of the disciples looks over and says, so what's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with Jim anyway? Why is he so tall? Did he sin or did his mother sin that he's that tall? Now, this guy's just a poor blind guy. He's just sitting there minding his own business. And all of a sudden, he becomes the focus of attention. Now, back in that day, to the disciples' defense, back in that day, they truly did believe that if someone was born with that kind of a situation, it was because someone had sinned. So to their defense, that's their mindset, that is their theology. But notice how they want to get into this poor guy's business. I'm here to tell you, when you're on your way to a miracle, everybody's going to want to get into your business. What kind of miracle? I saw hands up, almost every hand went up in the room this morning when I asked, who needs a miracle? Okay, some of you in this room probably need a financial miracle. And you begin to tell that to somebody. Oh, I'm believing God, I'm believing God, and trusting God for a financial miracle. Well, you know, brother, if you didn't spend the kind of money you do on going out to eat every night of the week, 
Or you know that big 60-inch TV that you bought? You really didn't need that. And how about that exotic car that you drive? You know that thing gets three gallons of gas per mile. There's no wonder you don't have any money in your pocket. Come on. You, you know these things because people have spoken them to you. Well, I'm, I'm trusting God and believing God for a healing in my body. Well, you know what? If you gave up that cheeseburger and those fries and that milkshake, your heart wouldn't be in the condition that it is today. You can't eat that stuff for lunch every day and expect to be healthy. Come on. We, people want to get into our business. I mean, this poor guy is sitting there minding his own stuff and people are walking by and they're trying to tell him why he needs this miracle, what's wrong with him. Well, I just need God to touch my marriage. Well, you know what, honey? If you made yourself a little more attractive, if you didn't look like 50 pounds of potatoes stuffed into a 10-pound bag, you would have a better husband. And you know, sweetie, when you go to bed at night, instead of putting on Ben Gay, you ought to try something a little different. <laughs> yeah, I, I need a miracle in my marriage, but you know, my husband, man, all he does is lay on the couch and eat potato chips and ask for the remote, and he tells me to go to the refrigerator and get this and that for him. Well, sir, you want a better marriage? You need to do something about that. You need to treat your wife the same way Christ treats the church. See, we, we always want to give advice. And I believe there are times that we miss the miracle because the birth pain begins to feel like a death pain because everybody wants to get into my business. Can you imagine Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail in Acts 16? I mean, they have just been whipped. Their backs are open and bleeding. They're in stocks. They've got rats gnawing at their toes. And can you imagine if Silas would have turned to Paul and said, What in the world were you thinking? What got into your head? Are you crazy? You should have never cast that demon out of that little girl. I mean, look at the mess we're in now. Why didn't you just mind your business? Oh, shut up, Cy. If you had done a better job of planning this trip, we wouldn't be here right now. No, Paul and Silas are in that jail cell at the midnight hour, and they are beginning to worship and praise. They are worshiping a great God, a God who is faithful, a God who is able, a God who has supplied every one of their needs, and they know that he is going to do the same for them now. They don't know how it's going to happen. They don't care how it's going to happen because all they know is that they are serving a great God. And in that moment, God hears that song of praise and the doors of the jail flung open and they were set free. I'm here to tell you there is a difference between praising and allowing people to get into your business. Come on. See, we, we find ourselves the beneficiary of all of that and we also find ourselves the giver of it. What happens when you're on your way to a miracle? 
everybody wants to get into your business. Go back to the text because I want you to see this next point. Watch this. What happens when you're on your way to a miracle? Not only does everybody want to get into your business, but listen, there is a temptation to put God in a box. There is a temptation to put God in a box. Go to the text. After saying this, Jesus just said this. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which the word means sent. So the man went and washed, look at this, and came home seeing. Now, put yourself in that guy's shoes. You know, the poor guy is sitting there by the side of the road, minding his own business. People are walking by, and all of a sudden he's overhearing conversations. Who sinned? This guy or his parents? Who sinned here? And he's got to be wondering to himself, what in the world is going on? Why am I suddenly becoming the center of attention? People are trying to figure it out. Who sinned? This guy or his parents? And Jesus says, neither. Now I'm told that blind people have almost extra sensitive uh, hearing. And so no doubt this man hears somebody is walking next to him. Now put yourself in this man's shoes. You're blind. You hear somebody coming near you and the next sound you hear is <laughs> If I'm this poor blind guy, Pastor, I'm going, uh-oh, what's coming now? And you hear and then you hear and the next thing you know somebody's putting mud in your eyes now if i'm this guy jim i'm gonna go jesus what is up with this i heard how you touched other blind eyes you just laid hands on their head jesus why can't you just lay hands on my head and i heard how you did other things and you just said be healed and they were healed jesus why can't you just speak to me and tell me to be healed instead you got to spit on the ground you got to make some mud and you got to put that muck in my eyes jesus what is up with that sometimes we miss our miracle because we put God in a box. Oh, I got this all figured out. Robert, I got it all figured out. I, I know exactly what God's going to do. I know exactly how it's going to happen. I'm going to pray for a financial blessing. And tomorrow when I go to the mailbox, I'm going to open it up. And I'm going to have my million-dollar check from Publishers Clearinghouse. And I am going to be set for life. I got it all figured out. See, there, there are those times when we, we're, we're telling, come on, how many of us in this room, myself included, are guilty of telling God how to answer our prayer? Now, for all those of you who said amen, how many of you are happy that God didn't answer every prayer you prayed that way? Amen? 
can we all agree that God knows better than us? And yet we struggle and we get upset and we fight it because God didn't do it the way we expected him to do it. I'm reminded of the story of this woman, a good Christian woman, and she would get up early every morning and in the spring and in the summer and in the fall when the weather was great, she would love to open up all the windows of her house in order for fresh air to come in first thing in the morning. And she would go over to her music and she would turn on Christian music just as loud as she could. And she would begin to sing and she would praise God and you could hear her all through the neighborhood singing praises to a great and mighty God. Her next door neighbor was an atheist. He absolutely hated hearing her do that every morning. And there were mornings he would go over to her windows and he would mock her. He would say, you stupid old lady, there is no God. You stupid old lady, why are you doing that? You stupid old lady, God's not listening to you. But every day she just kept praising God louder and louder. And then one day he overheard her praise. It was near the end of the month and she prayed, God, you know that I've given all that I have to give this month. And God, you know that I, I don't have any food in the house. There's absolutely nothing there. God, I have nothing to eat between now and the end of the month, but I'm believing that you will provide. Her atheist neighbor thought, I'm going to show her that there's no God. I'm going to prove it to her. And so he got in his car, he drove down to the grocery store, and he bought bags and bags of groceries. Enough food to last her into the next month. He went back to the house. He snuck up on the porch. He laid all of the groceries at the door. He rang the doorbell and hid in the bushes. The lady came out and she saw all the groceries and she began to praise God. Hallelujah. God is so faithful. God, you are so good. God, I thank you for providing this. And just that moment, he jumped out from behind the bushes. He said, you stupid old lady, I have been telling you all the time that there is no God. God did not deliver these groceries I did. I went to Jewel. I bought the groceries. I put them here. I rang your doorbell. I'm the one who provided for you. It wasn't God. The minute she heard that, she started shouting even more. I mean, she started worshiping even louder. She got more excited than she had ever gotten before. And she said, oh God, I thank you for providing these groceries. And I thank you that you made the devil deliver them to my front door. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, there, there, there are times when we want to put God in a box. And in those times, we want to tell God what to do. And when it come, doesn't happen that way, we believe that God has forgotten us. When you're on your way to a miracle, people are going to want to get into your business. Number two, when you're on your way to a miracle, don't be tempted to put God in a box. Now watch this because it really gets tough here. When you're on your way to a miracle, expect criticism. 
say it again. When you're on your way to a miracle, expect criticism because not everybody's going to be ha as happy as you. Not everyone's going to be as excited as you are about what God's going to do in your life. Well, where will the criticism come from? Let me point out three sources. Three sources of criticism that are named right here in this text. Watch this. Criticism will come from the people who know you. Pick up the story in verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am he. Criticism will come. And one of the first sources of criticism is from the people who are closest to you. Why are you getting so excited about Jesus? What's all this born again stuff? Oh, you're not really going to change. All that doesn't really mean anything. I knew you when. Ann and I have, have been saved 42 years. And we, we were just back in Vermont. That's where we're from originally, back in Vermont. And so we, we hadn't been back to Vermont in two years. Went back and my brother and my sister-in-law are not saved. And my sister-in-law loves bringing up stories. I remember when. I knew you when. There are people who will want to continually keep you in your past. There are people who will continually try to draw you back to once you, what you once were. I mean, I, the, the guy can see. The guy's no longer blind. Go, go back to the text again. His neighbors and those who formerly seen him begging say, Isn't this the same man? No, he only looks like him. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. No, it's the same guy. No, it just looks like him. Weren't, weren't you once the alcoholic? Yeah, that was me, but by God's grace, I am changed. Weren't you the one who struggled with drugs? Yeah, that was me, but by God's grace, I am saved. Weren't you the one who were having all the financial and family problems? Yeah, that was us, but by God's grace, we are changed. There are those people who will want to hold you back. Listen, I've got good news for you this morning. Your past does not determine your future. Jesus is still in the business of taking sinners and making them into saints. He is still taking losers and making them winners. He is still transforming lives every day. His grace is still sufficient. His faithfulness is still there. He does not change. You don't have to stay in your past. You can be changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, I don't care what your past looks like. I don't even care if you were in the wrong bed last night. I'm here to tell you that today is a day that the Lord has made. It's a day of new beginnings. It's a day of fresh starts. He is a faithful God. Come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. 
Well, you will never amount to anything. No, listen to me. Others may see you the way you are. Others may see you through the lens of the past. But God sees you through his lens. He sees you to what you are becoming in him. Hallelujah. The psalmist wrote that when we come unto Jesus, he takes our past and he puts it as far away from us as the east is from the west. Did you get that? Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when we come to Christ, we become a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's a brand new day. It's a fresh start. Hallelujah. I may look the way that guy was, but God has done something in me. Oh, I think I'm going to get excited this morning. I think I'm going to do a little bit of that Cajun footwork this morning. Where is Brandon anyway? Where'd he go? He's up there, man. Oh, I love that Cajun footwork you were doing this morning. Tell you what, I wasn't sure if that was the Holy Ghost coming out or the Cajun coming out. One of the two. I loved it, man. Criticism will come. When you're on your way to a miracle, criticism will come. And it will come from those who are closest to you. But watch this. It will also come... Did I say this, Pastor Barney? It will also come from church people. Thank you. Insert another word for those of you who are taking notes. When you're on your way to a miracle, it will often, pastor added that word, often come from church people. Hey, I'm, I'm not making this up. Go back to the text. Look at this. Pick it up in verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees, those are the church people, the religious people. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. The man told him, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Verse 17, then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. I love his response. The man said, he's a prophet. See, when you're on your way to a miracle, you'll receive criticism from those who are closest to you. Oh, I knew you when. I remember when. But you will also receive criticism from church people. Church people who don't understand how faith works. Church people who don't understand how faith works. Can I tell you this morning that faith is our, faith is the key to our relationship with everything with God. Let me, let me just give you a couple of scriptures to jot down in your notes. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says we are saved through faith. Acts 26, 18 says we are sanctified by faith. 
Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16 says we are justified by faith. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says we are kept through faith. The depth of our intimacy with God will determine the breath and power of God in our life. Somebody in this room needs to hear that. The depth of our intimacy with God will determine the breath, the scope, and the power of God in our lives. Pastor will tell you that leading a church cannot be done without the power of God. But the relationship with God, the intimacy with God, will determine the scope, the power of the ministry. And it's the same thing in the life of every believer in this room. The depth of our intimacy with God will determine the breath and the power of God in our lives. And there are a lot of church people who show up on Sunday morning. They clap, they sing, they have a great time at church, but never open their Bible again for the rest of the week. The depth of our intimacy with God. Sometimes the birth pains begin to feel like death pains. And we give up. The pain of the criticism becomes so great. And we stop short. Before we experience the miracle. One of my favorite passages in scripture. Is Romans chapter 4. And verse 18. Let me, uh, let me begin reading this. And I notice that they're, they're putting up some scriptures up there. Thank you for doing that. If you can find Romans 4, 18 to 21. This is a great passage of scripture. Look at this. Against all hope. Everybody repeat that phrase with me, would you? Against all hope. Say it one more time. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Look at verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Against all hope. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. It doesn't look like it ever will be. Pastor Brian, you said that this morning. When you came here in 1999 or 16 years, 98, 2000, you came. And suddenly, man, you're thinking about this today. And I'm sure there were times you're meeting in that little house and you're going, oh, no, that will never be. I'm sure when you were out on that little whatever digger out there, 
you thought it will never be. There are times against all hope. Abraham says, God has spoken to me. He's told me that I'm going to be the father of many nations. He said that my offspring will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the grains of sand. He has told me that. He's promised that. But Sarah's 100 years old. I'm 100 years old. Sarah's telling me that there's snow on the mountain and no fire in the fireplace. I haven't seen any of those little commercials for pills. I don't know anything about that. And I know that she's not interested in anything thing at night it's against all hope but I know this there's a God who has spoken there's a God who has put it in my heart and against all hope I know I am fully persuaded that he is able to do exactly what he said he would do because he is that kind of a God hallelujah hallelujah See, there, there, there comes that time when you've got to look to your neighbor sitting next to you and say, you may think I'm crazy, but I've just been filled with a fresh word from God. And when I've got a fresh word from God, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when it says, against all hope, I'm going to be like Abraham. In hope, I am going to believe because I know the word of God. I know he's not made a single promise that he has not fulfilled. As a matter of fact, Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I'm standing on that promise, and I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I don't think, I don't care what you say about me. I believe in a God who is able and faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. But you see, criticism will come. It will come from those who are closest to you. It will come from Religious folk, one more source, one more source. Criticism, what did I say for the first one? Right, people who know you most. Number two, religious church people. Number three, criticism will come from people closest to you. It will come from people closest to you. See, his neighbors said, I'm not sure if this is the guy or not. How can you not be sure? Well, I don't know. Okay. Go get the church people. Church people say, nah, it's not the guy. I mean, Jesus wouldn't do this on Sunday. I mean, who ever heard of a business meeting on Sunday? You know, what kind of religious people do we have in this room anyway? So now they get the people closest to him. Pick it up in, in verse 18. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sign until they sent for the man's parents. I love this. Okay. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? All right, go ask mom and dad. Is this really your son? Verse 20. We know he's our son, the parents said. And we know that he was born blind. But how he can now see or who opened his eye, we don't know. I love this next line. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Have him tell you the story. Why did they say that? Look at verse 22. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he's of age. Go ahead and ask him. Sometimes those closest to you will bring criticism. Almost 40 years ago, Anna and I left Vermont. We left Vermont on purpose. We had been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. But we came from a very strong Catholic background. I was so Catholic that I was at Mass every day from the time I was about in third and fourth grade all the way to my junior year in high school. And the only thing that changed in my junior year of high school was the bus schedule. So I couldn't go to church anymore before school. I spent a year in a Catholic seminary. I come from a French-Canadian background and in that tradition, the oldest son was supposed to be dedicated unto the Lord to go into the priesthood. Priesthood. When I brought Anne home, oh my goodness, I thought my mother was going to have a heart attack. She suddenly became the skunk at the picnic. What are you thinking? You know, how do you tell your mom? Well, I just can't hack celibacy, you know? How do you tell that to your mom? I'm just not going to do that. We gave our hearts to the Lord, and the Lord spoke clearly to us that he had plans and purposes for our life. But in order to see those fulfilled, he would take us away from everything we knew and everyone we loved into a different place. And so 1977, the Lord moved us from Vermont to the Chicago suburbs. We knew no one. We had no friends. We knew absolutely nothing. But we had a time of growing in Jesus. I had been in ministry, I've been in ministry since 1979. When my, pat, when my dad passed away, he had just come to a faith relationship with Jesus. Until that point, he would tell everyone he knew that he didn't know what I was doing. As a matter of fact, those who knew that I had been bivocational, a banker and a pastor, he would refuse to tell them that I was still doing church work. He would tell them, I'm now retired. Criticism will come from those who are closest to you. It will come from people who know you. It will come from church people. It will come from those closest to you. But let me read a warning. A couple verses of scripture that Jesus spoke. Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. Listen to this. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
But whoever disowns me before others, I will dis- disown before my Father in heaven. That's a pretty strong warning. Or how about Luke chapter 9 and verse 6? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Wow. When you're on your way to a miracle, everybody's going to want to get into your business. Everybody is going to want to tell you what to do. Don't be tempted to put God in a box. And be ready, you will receive some criticism. It will come from people who know you. It will come from religious people. It will come from those who are closest to you. Okay, so if I'm on my way to a miracle, what should I do? Let me give you two quick things. When you're on your way to a miracle, keep growing in your faith. When you're on your way to a miracle, keep growing in your faith. Now, this man, I mean, there is no recorded conversation with Jesus in all of Scripture between this blind man and Jesus. They didn't have a conversation. It could have been, but it's not recorded. We don't know what the relationship is. One day, this guy is sitting by the side of the road, and the next thing he knows, he's got mud in his eyes, and he's told to go to a pool and wash. But watch how he grew in his faith. Let me point out three scriptures here. Verse number 11. Very quickly, when the man is questioned about who healed him, watch what he says in verse 11. It's the man they call Jesus. Who did this? Well, it's the man they call Jesus. Okay? Going down to verse 17. When the religious people asked him who did it, look what he says. He's a prophet. So he goes from saying it's a man they call Jesus to now saying he's a prophet Go on down to verse 38. When Jesus confronted him, what did the man say? He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Do you see the progression? That when you're on your way to a miracle, there needs to be a growing in my faith. There needs to be an intensity in my faith. I've already said it. The deeper my intimacy with God, the broader and the more power that I'm going to see God begin to work in my life. This man begins by saying, well, I'm not sure who he is. It's a man. It's a man that they call Jesus. Then number two, he says, no, he's more than a man. He is a prophet. And when he meets Jesus face to face, he falls down and he begins to worship him. There is an intimacy here that is growing throughout this whole story. When I'm on my way to a miracle, guess what? 
You are going to have a lot of people who want to mess with your head, mess with your heart, mess with what's going on. They're going to want to get into your business. You're going to have people who will want to put God in a box. No, it will never happen. God doesn't do those things today. It just will never happen. And then you're going to get criticism from everybody and his brother. People who know you, you're going to get it from the church folks. You're going to get it from those closest to you. I'm here to tell you that if I'm going to transform birth pains from being death pains, and truly bring forth birth I need to be growing in my faith I need to have a deeper relationship with Jesus I need to know who he is and say I am going to believe what he has already done and spoken I'm standing on that word of God there needs to be a growing relationship listen to me church if your relationship with Jesus is not deeper and richer than what it was a year ago, shame on you. If your relationship with Jesus is not deeper and richer than what it was a week ago, hmm, there are things in our lives that we need to change. Because when I'm on my way to a miracle, I know what I'm going to face. I mean, I've already seen it in this past. I know what I'm going to face. And in order for me to make it all the way through the miracle, I'm going to need a richer, deeper relationship with the Lord than I've ever had before. See, people say, well, why don't we see miracles anymore? Well, I, I, I mentioned three reasons. And we give up too early. We quit too soon. But we're also not growing in our own relationship with the Lord. That needs to continue to grow. Brandon, I'm going to invite you and the worship team to come. Because I'm going to close it up with this fifth point. Point number five. When you're on your way to a miracle... Don't limit your future because of your past or your present. When you're on your way to a miracle, don't limit your future because of your past and your present. That guy did not know what was coming that day. He woke up that morning and it was a new, a usual day for him. He ended up by the side of the road and Jesus happened to walk by and suddenly his present and the past no longer had a bearing on his future. I believe God wants to work miracles in this room this morning. And I believe there are people in this room who are right on the cusp of a miracle. You're sensing the birth pains of a God-given dream. You're sensing the birth pain of what God wants to do in your life. Don't let it become a sign of death. Push through, push through, push through. And don't allow 
the condition that you're in now and the circumstances you've faced in the past become a limiter to your future. The man woke up blind. The man thought all of his days were going to be filled with blindness. The man thought that for the rest of his life he would be in that condition. But in a moment, his life was all transformed. And his past and his present were forever changed. I believe God is still a miracle-working God. I believe God is still doing these things today. And I believe God is not only doing it someplace else, I believe he's doing it right here. I believe God wants to work in your heart and in your life today. Would you stand with me all over this room? Would you stand with me? At the beginning of the service, I asked, who needs a touch from God in this room? Who needs a miracle in God, from God in your life? And almost every, every hand in this room went up this morning. Those of you who know me know that I'm a little old-fashioned. I, I just believe something happens when we walk out of our comfort zone and come to the front and say, God, this is my day. God, I want you to do something in my life, and I want you to do it right now. I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I, I may pray with you. I may not pray with you. I, I may anoint you with oil. I may not anoint you with oil. I may try to push you over. I may not. Who knows? I am not an evangelist, but I do believe that something happens when we step forward and come and we just say, God, here I am. Do this work in my life. You need a miracle today. I'm asking you to step out right from where you're at and to come forward and say, God, I want you to do that miracle in my life. I am tired, God. Tired of being on my way to a miracle and not experience it. I'm tired, God, of being on my way to a miracle. And not seeing you move. God, I'm ready today. I want this to be the day. I want this to be the hour. God, I want your word. I, I want to be like Abraham today. Father, against all hope, it looks like it will never happen. No one has encouraged me. The world has discouraged me. People told me it will never happen. Against all hope, God, I am going to be fully persuaded that you are able to do exactly what you said you would do. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you today. And you're coming forward from all over this room. You're coming forward. And I'm just going to ask you to begin to pray right now. God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it, Lord. I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready to, to believe you. Lord, begin to do it in my heart. Let faith arise. Raise your voice unto him right now. All over this room, God. Oh, we're waiting on you, Lord. We're trusting you right now, Lord God. Hallelujah. Cry out to him right now all over this room. God, today is my day. Today is my day, Lord. I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. Victory over criticism in the name of Jesus. Victory over criticism. Bondage broken. Chains broken. Discouragement defeated. Fear defeated in the name of Jesus. Oh. 
search our hearts at this altar this morning and I'm believing you to begin to lift burdens right now Lord I'm believing that you are making those who are spiritually blind Lord you're restoring sight right now you're restoring vision right now you are restoring hope right now in the mighty name of Jesus I thank you that the chains that have held us back in the past are now being broken in the mighty name of Jesus Lord, I thank you that you're bringing healing right now to individuals at this altar. That the words that they have allowed to pierce their hearts, words that have brought discouragement and pain, words that have brought death and defeat right now, in the name of Jesus, those words are being erased. And God, I'm asking you to speak words of life right now. Breathe fresh life, fresh hope against all hope Abraham believed. Lord, let us believe like Abraham, being fully persuaded that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we ask or imagine. Forgive us for those times that we have put you in a box. Forgive us for those times that we have told you how to be God. You are God of all. And Lord, you know much better than us. And so, Father, this morning, we're here ready to receive, ready to receive your answer, ready to receive in your timing, ready to receive in your way. Oh, God, do not hold back this morning, but open up all of heaven and begin to pour out a fresh anointing upon every man and woman and child at this altar today. A fresh anointing in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. Father, you're beginning a new work today. You're beginning a new work. You're doing a new thing. And I am thanking you for it. Faithful God, mighty God, awesome God. Oh, begin to raise your hands toward heaven right now all over this room. And just begin to praise him. We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.